Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is November 8th, election day. Hope you voted. And I'm Eric Clark, your host. Welcome again to another episode. Um, this week, we have a fantastic guest from Montana Decoy. The president of Montana Decoy, CJ Davis, will be joining me shortly on the show to go over um, the various types of decoys they offer um, what makes them special and how to use them, uh, as well as a lot of different and interesting, useful tactics to successfully place and use um, a deer decoy. So really interesting topic. Um, I've never used a decoy. I know I know hunters that have, and I'm very excited to try their decoy out. Um, I will be getting one of them, and I don't know that I'll be able to use it this season, uh, maybe later in the season. I don't know how effective that'll be in late season unless there's some post-rut activity going on. Um, otherwise... It'll be something that I'll be very, very jacked to do next year. Um, a few other things that uh, we talked about on the on the uh, Facebook Live for this week to get some live callers uh, or listener callers coming in. And uh, we did get one call, so I'll play that at towards the end of the episode. Uh, it was more about how you feel um, when you when you get a deer. What, what feelings or emotions kind of overcome you as a deer hunter? And I'm just really curious to hear people's feedback. So we got one caller to talk about that. Um, that said, we'll go ahead and get into our our show topic with our guest. All right, welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast. Today we have our guest, CJ Davis, president of Montana Decoy with us. CJ, how you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. Fantastic. Well, hey, we're happy to have you on. Um, decoy is, uh, I've never used a decoy myself, and a lot of the people that listen to this show, um, it's kind of a mixed bag. Some have, some haven't. Some are looking for ways to improve their usage. Um, and honestly, I, I think I came across you guys on social media, um, and you guys have the cutout decoys. Is that, is that correct? Uh, we have a, a, uh, big red moo cow decoy that has a, uh, view through screen on it, but we don't currently have anything on the market with a cutout. Okay. So I guess what I mean by cutout, um, like 2d, 2d or like they're, they're kind of like card or is it card? Yes. Or what's yes. The material? Okay. Sorry. I misunderstood you. Yeah, we do make two-dimensional decoys. They fold up. We also make some three-dimensional turkey decoys. So we've got a little bit of everything. Awesome. Well, let's um, let's give the audience a little bit of information about you. I have a couple questions for you right out the gate. Uh, how many years have you been hunting? Wow, let's see. I really started chasing small game and stuff probably when I was 12 or 13. Uh, I think I killed my first deer when I was 14. So I'm 44 years old now. So do the math, right? 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You got, you got a lot of experience out there. Um, now are you a public, <laughs> are you a public land hunter or private or both? 
You know, I do both. Uh, here where I live in the south, uh, we do have some public land, and I, and I do turkey hunt on it. But it seems most of my deer hunting is uh, is done on private land, and, and good, bad, or indifferent, a lot of the stuff around here is, is lease-oriented. And if you're in a lease or a club, you usually have access to a little bit better ground. And I'm fortunate to have uh, some friends that own some land I hunt on, and, and uh, I'm right on the border with Georgia, so I'll slip over to Georgia and hunt. And it seems like Georgia's public land is a little bit uh, a little bit more user-friendly to me than South Carolina. South Carolina has such a long gun season. I'm primarily a bow hunter, so all those factors come in. And then when I travel, uh, you know, out west, it is definitely predominantly public ground when I get out there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I'm a primarily a public land hunter myself. I just uh, am not there yet with owning uh, land or, or leasing. In fact, I think this coming uh, 2018, I'll probably start looking at leasing land. The public stuff is just starting to burn me out quite a bit. Even though I'm a big proponent of it, it's it's tough going. So That stuff to me seems to be so dependent on where you are. You know, in certain states, there's a plethora of public ground and, you know, if you got some, you know, large tracks or really hard to get in and out of tracks, then you can separate yourself. But here in South Carolina, a lot of our stuff is, there's too many roads through forest service and stuff like that. So it's really hard to get away and you end up with a whole lot of competition. And that really, really gets tough when the rifles start coming out too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The blaze orange army. That's a, that's a, that's a doozy right there. Bow hunting's different because obviously <laughs> everyone's incognito, you know, you don't even know if you're close to someone half the time. I've scared a couple guys in the woods. They've walked up on me and they're, they're sitting there, you know, <laughs> sorry about that. True, very I true. don't know if I should say something. I don't know you're going to make it all the way this way. <laughs> you know? Um, so tell me a little bit about, and, and the audience obviously about, uh, Montana decoy and, and kind of how, how you entered the picture and, and what it's all about, what you guys stand for and all that stuff. So we'll get however detailed you wanted to, but I used to work at a uh, ad agency called Chevalier Advertising, and we handled clients in the outdoor industry. And one of my clients was Montana Decoy, and uh, the original founder of it was named Jerry McPherson, and he's still a big part of it today. Uh, and he started in uh, the late mid to late 90s. Um, he just wanted an elk decoy that was portable. Uh, he kept seeing these deer, and I mean, these elk in the area he was hunting, and it was very open, and he's bow hunting and trying to get on them, and they weren't, they would come to the call, but they would hang up, and he just wanted something that, that could just lure them in that last critical 30, 40 yards or whatever it was. So he created the original elk decoy, and he made it where it twists folds. Um, a lot of people are familiar with the windshield screens that you used to see in your vehicles, you know, to keep the sun from cracking your dash oh, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's okay. sort of that same same twist technology is printed on fabric and it's been it's been that way since day one where it's an actual photo of the animal it's not an artist rendition or anything like that it's an actual picture of an elk or a deer or a moose or whatever you have and it twist folds so you can put it in your pack and makes different uh you know presentations of it different body language head up head down feeding and i think we've got four elk and four or five different whitetail packages now and We've got two moose decoys, a mule deer, so a little bit of everything's out there, and all that came from his original idea of being an elk hunter. So I got involved with it heavily probably about three or four years ago, and uh, Jerry now handles most of the research and development, and uh, he gets to do all the hunting, and I get to do all the work is kind of what <laughs> it seems to me to be like. He might would disagree with that, but uh, and he still does some trade shows for us, and we'll do the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation uh, convention coming up next month in December, and then we'll be at the turkey show in 
um, uh, February in Nashville for the NWTF. And so he's, he still gets out and does a lot of that stuff. But most of the projects that come forward for us that are, you know, involve a new product or something like that, he's the guy behind it, pushing it, and, you know, designing it and making it happen for us. So, uh, and we've got, like I said, a full line here from deer to moose to mule deer to whitetails to turkeys. Uh, we even got a waterfowl package for snow geese and Canada geese that we launched last year. So we're, we're kind of dipping our toe into some different markets than just yeah. elk anymore. Yeah, it's a big industry. There's a lot out there when you really start to break it down. That's awesome. And I would, I would say what separates Montana is we're always trying to do something that's a little bit different. It's lifelike imagery. It's portable and it's user friendly. So, you know, you can carry our deer decoy with you every time you go to a tree because it would fold up and stay in your pack. You don't have to lug it around. It's not a big burden. So if you get to a site and you wish you had a decoy, you do. It's always in your pack. So our, our mentality, our approach to it's a little bit different because of, you know, just who we are and where Jerry originally brought the company from. So Yeah, the portability is a big thing. It's so it's so interesting. I, I guess um when you look at these things, you just think, you know, 2D, and you think it's like a, like a, when I say cut it, I think, you know, that it's static, that it's stuck that in that shape, and maybe one or two pieces. And I look at that as cumbersome. But what you're telling me is it's more about, um, like those, like you said, the window protectors in the cars, right. or whatever, to protect your vinyl and that, and it just kind of folds into place. Now, is that is that a little bit more wind resistance too, where where the wind can kind of pass through it, so it's not going to flop over or if you get a really hard wind, it, it's probably going to flop over because you're still using leg stakes into the ground to hold okay. it up. But most of them, like a, a whitetail or an elk, it's going to have two leg poles and with metal tips that go in the ground. And they're like tent poles. They're shock corded together. So they come apart in three to four pieces to fold up. And then it's a double-sided fabric around a wire frame is what holds it all together. So it's fairly wind resistant unless you're in really soft soil sure, or something sure. like that. But and another trick that we've evolved over the years, especially for elk hunters who are really cognizant of weight, and I do it a lot of times hunting in timber with whitetails, is we're using, uh, we have a, a hanging string system that we use to, to actually hang it off limbs or bushes and stuff like that. And Fred Eichler has been a big proponent of that. He's one of the guys that we partner with and uses our stuff and kind of that gives it a little bit of motion with a light breeze and stuff too that you don't get from staking a, a decoy in the ground. So it's a little versatile from that standpoint and you're shaving some ounces because those leg poles are a good bit of the weight of the whole pack. Sure. Sure. Well, yeah. Especially when you're elk hunting, um, you're, you're backpacking, you want to be as light as you possibly can be. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a big deal. Absolutely. Um, so let's kind of break it down. So I'm coming at this from the perspective of whitetail hunter. Um, elk is something that I would love to get into. I've been talked to by a couple people now and it's just a matter of time before it happens. Um, but as far as the deer decoys that you guys have, the whitetail, you have um, a couple different. You have four different versions or four different types from what it, from what it's showing on your website here, which is MontanaDecoy.com. That's exactly right. So another thing that's really cool about ours are the way they're built, and, and you know we're not building a plastic mold that's really expensive to build one exact model of a decoy. We can do lots of different things with ours. So I like to say they're purpose built. So we've got what's our best-selling deer decoy, the Dreamy Doe, which is kind of a head up with the ears kind of back in a listening pose, not an alert pose, but like she's just listening to something. And that deer decoy can be set up standing, or you can actually fold the leg poles kind of in half and put it in a bedded position. Oh, that's cool. And so you could get that by itself, or you can buy it in a, on a uh, package deal called a Dream Team, 
which comes with the whitetail buck. And so you could put that buck standing over it like it's got that doe sequestered or whatever the fancy biologist term is when a doe's about to be in heat and you've got that one buck standing with it. And then we also have a um, estrus betty, which is a doe in a peeing pose. And, and that was kind of a uh, um, one of those lights in the dark thing because – I mean, every time you see that during this time of year in the woods, if a buck sees a doe doing that, he's got to come over there and check it just to see what, if she's in estrus or close or, or whatever it is. So it's that a is... really rut, rut-based decoy. And the tail on that thing, it kind of moves just a little bit in the breeze so you get some high-catching movement out sure. of it too. And then we've got a buck, and you'll have to excuse me. I've got a little bit of a head cold if I oh, cough or something oh, tonight. I'm well, sorry. Thanks again, man, for coming on. <laughs> no worries. Well. No worries at all. And the other one we've got is called the Freshman, and uh, that one took a good bit of work. Uh, it's, it's always funny to me how when you get into something, you look at it from the outside and you think, man, that would be easy. We can do all this different stuff. But then to get it to that final that final stage of where you're completely happy with it, that Freshman Buck, is he truly defines purpose built for us because it's a, um, it's a small two-and-a-half-year-old body. You can see the belly is tucked up real tight. Um, he's got a smaller neck and he's got a very small rack on it. But when you look at the positioning of the head and the ears laid back, he's in a very dominant, aggressive pose. And and I always equate it to being like the smallest kid on the playground slapping the biggest bully on the playground. It's just (laughs) a deer that size and that body structure. He shouldn't be in that pose. That is way too aggressive. So it's designed to just enrage another buck, an older buck, you know, now if you're, if you're hunting an area where you just want to shoot a deer, that buck, pose might cause you some problems on year and a half or two-year-old deer but if you're after a mature animal that pose is just just designed to infuriate make them angry and then you could take that and put it with the estrus betty or you could put it with the dreamy doe and you've got just this scenario that you've developed there and you can change your positioning on those a little bit to be a little more eye-catching from different angles and you know my purpose with the decoy has always been to put a deer in a position where i can shoot it I don't necessarily, it's awesome for footage and it's great to see, but if that buck comes up and tries to mount the doe decoy or whatever, <laughs> that's that's one step beyond what I'm really after. I want to put him in a place where I can shoot him. Yeah. So to me, a decoy is just a tool in my toolbox and, and not, I'm the president of a decoy company. And I'll tell you, not every setup I climb into would I want to put a decoy out because if you're in a really tight funnel and you know where the deer movement's going to be, it's a matter of if they're there or not, then putting a decoy in there can just change the game because whitetails are are finicky about stuff like that, depending on the time of the year and stuff too. So I really try to gauge my setup. I try to gauge where they're coming from and then find the decoy that best matches the the phase of the season I'm in. That's awesome. That's that's great information. It makes me want one like right now. (laughs) Um, I tell you, man, especially that freshman. So this is interesting. It just so happens that my, my dad shot a a 10 pointer on Sunday, um, yesterday, um, which is really exciting. It's going to go on the wall. You know, it's, it's a good looking buck. It's very symmetrical. Um, so that's exciting. But what happened is he was on out of the stand and uh, a doe came in and he was chasing nose to the ground and she stopped right in the shooting lane and she, she pissed right there. And then she ran off. Oh. Well, that buck, just like you said, he came right in and he sniffed it um, and he was going to tear off. And that's when he grunted. And, you know, my dad grunted to get him a stop before he took off after her. And that's when he got him. Um, but he's like, right when he saw that doe stop to pee, he was like, oh, perfect. You know, it couldn't have happened any better. <laughs> it's one of those scenarios where after years of deer hunting, you just, you know, one of those moments that comes by, it's like you've, you've earned it. 
So is that yeah? It's actually everything cool. finally lined up perfectly. <laughs> so asterisk Betty, you know, um, suddenly it makes a lot of sense to me after hearing my dad's scenario yesterday. You know, he called me right away. He's like, I got one. You know, he said he actually said it really casually, like it wasn't even a big deal. It's like going to the freaking casino. Like <laughs> I just won three thousand dollars. What do you mean? <laughs> you be more excited about it? What the heck? And he laughs. He's like, yeah. So now that's awesome. And you're in Wisconsin, so that's some big deer country, right? Yeah, it, yeah, they they get large. You know, um, I was in Virginia for a little while, um, and I remember seeing guys hunting, and you know, the racks were pretty impressive on some of the deer they were pulling up, but the bodies were tiny. They were just tiny. You know, from what I'm compared to what I'm used to, I mean, some of our deer are over 200 pounds. The drags you have to take out of the woods, especially in this heat that we've been having, like 70 degrees, and that's you know sometimes it's hill country. It's just brutal. But, yeah, we had some big deer here, I think. No doubt. No doubt. Um, I used to to uh, come up and hunt around Partyville, Wisconsin. Every oh, year. Yeah. I have some friends up there. I haven't made it up there in a couple of years. But, man, that your woods in the fall and just you never know in that country, that, that part of the world, what's going to walk out on you. It's just such an exciting place to hunt. It really is. It just it's it's what it what's it's what gets you up in the morning, even when you don't want to. You're like, no, that today could be the day, you know. <laughs> so, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, uh, all right. Um, well, so the next, you kind of answered this a little bit. You crossed over it. I was going to ask, um, what are some of the best times to use these various decoys as far as um, time of of the season for for whitetail? Um, you know, like the aggressive freshman, is that going to be too much in the, in the early season or is he designed more for the rut specifically, you know, or what about late season, I, that kind of stuff? I would say you're, you're right. That freshman is something I'm going to use in the pre-rut and the rut and, and maybe just a little bit of the post-rut. And, and, you know, we've got all these great terms that we can break the whitetail season out for 16 different things or whatever you're looking for. But when they're actively seeking does, or they're fighting for dominance or establishing dominance, those times of the year are when I'm looking to use estrus Betty or um, that freshman buck. And then, you know, the estrus cycle of a doe, if she doesn't get bred, she comes back in again, uh, what is it, 60 or 90 days, something later. So that, that estrus Betty, if you have that secondary rut, and, and a lot of times you can, you know, you, you can purely tell that by the deer activity you're seeing in the woods. If you're seeing a lot of chasing in December here in South Carolina, we know we're hitting that little second uh, second rut so yeah. that's another good time to do it but i, I kind of always it's a simplistic answer but i let the deer tell me what decoy i need to be using so if it's early season and they're feeding and let's say you're hunting soybean fields or something like that well if you're on a 200 acre soybean field and it's not painfully obvious where the deer are putting out like that dreamy doe or or, or that other whitetail buck stuff like that that we have that's not in such an aggressive or breeding type position Deer are just naturally social and naturally curious. As long as something doesn't frighten them, they'll drift that way a lot of times. So you're using them to pull them over to you. You know, you don't, again, they don't have to go all the way to the decoys to shoot them, you know, because they'll stop and it's unfamiliar deer to them. So they want to figure out where it fits in their hierarchy and are they more or less dominant than it. So you get them to come close enough to check it out. And when close enough to check it out is in your wheelhouse for a shot, to me, that decoy has done its job. And then, you kind of reverse that back late season, uh, especially in your part of the world, your food sources get limited. Uh, you know, it's, it's maybe some, some leftover corn in the corner of the field that the farmer left or, or, you know, a bean field that didn't get cut because it was too wet or whatever, but it can draw those deer like a magnet. But a lot of times they won't get out there. The deer you're after won't come out until it's too late. So what you end up doing is putting decoys out and it kind of gives the illusion that there's deer out there feeding already. And it's, I don't know if it 
strikes a somewhat competitive chord with them that they want to get to the food source as well. If it's just merely a uh, comfort factor, confidence decoy, if you will, those kind of things. So throughout the season, you can find a reason to do it depending on your setup. You know, if you're, if you've got, like we're in a hot drought right now, if I had the only water hole within five miles, I'm pretty sure that's where I'd be sitting and they're either coming to the water hole or they're not. So is the decoy going to give me any advantage to that? Well, it might not. Or if it's a really big water hole and I need them on my side for a shot, then, you know, that could change the game too. So. Yeah. The logic here, you're applying here with these things is phenomenal. I mean, it all makes perfect sense. I'm sure you deal with this um, I mean, hence the reason for having you as a guest, because you deal with the stuff you breathe it in and every, and every day. So, you know, you have, you have great insight to how to use these things that, you know, make perfect sense when you, when you say it, but it's just, I wouldn't have thought of it that way, you know, in a large watering hole and just getting them closer to me, especially since, again, you say, let's listen to the deer, so to speak, um, and kind of figure out what they're doing, what they're telling me. And if you have this thing with you at all times anyways, because it's so doggone light, then you can kind of play it by ear, you know, bring it with and. You know, if you don't see a need for it, don't don't use it. But you know, if you see some activity that you think you could draw them in, yeah, that's awesome. And I use them a lot of times in in big woods. And, and I don't know exactly what part of Wisconsin you're hunting, but where we used to hunt up there, there were some ag fields, but there were a lot of big timber up there, and it's yep. it's fairly open. And those deer, you know, it wasn't like you had this one pinch point. And I'm I'm hunting with a recurve or a longbow, so I need them really close for me. You know. Sure. So I want to pull them over to where I am. So if it's if it's that time of the year, like now when they're rutting and stuff's going on, then I would set that dreamy doe, you know, maybe in a bedded position with that with that freshman above it, so to speak. And I'd change the angle of each one of them so they're not like in a straight line just to maximize another deer seeing it, just to try to draw them closer as they work through those woods. Because, you know, if there's nothing that really forces a travel pattern, it's kind of tough to get them right where you want all the time, especially – you know how it is in the rut when they're running all crazy and stuff. And then, you know, you're adding another element to your scenario. So if you're up there grunting or bleating, and if you've got some deer sent out, well, now they've got a visual reference for all of that stuff that you just exposed them to. So it just kind of ties everything together nicely. And you have to be careful of, you know, how did you access the stand? You don't want to set the decoy up where they're going to hit your scent trail before they get to see the decoy and things like that. And you don't want to put your scent, directly on the decoy because you'll fold it up and put it in your pack and then two days later when you go to open it you will never be able to use that pack again but those kind of things you figure out the hard way like me so <laughs> figured as much that's the best, <laughs> best way to learn is either make mistakes yourself or, or listen to someone that's made them for you already <laughs> Whew, i gotta go buy a new pack and a new decoy because yeah. that thing smells horrible uh you learn quick though too when you make a mistake you usually i mean if it's a big one like that you know or something like that you're you're not gonna make that mistake ever again yeah i've never done that one again so and you know that's another question i get a lot is how do you you know keep your decoy scent free and and how do you do that and i do it pretty simply i'll take them out like our deer season opens here in september mid-september so about the end of august i'll take them out and let them air out and we'll bury them in leaves in the yard, lay them flat, and then set them up. And, you know, I want them completely dry before I pack them back up. But I'll set them up after I've had them in the leaves and airing out and everything. I'll spray them down with my scent killer. And, again, make sure they're completely dry and then package them up in whatever type of carrying case I'm using. Or 
tires fold up so small, you can get those large Ziploc bags to carry them in and then put that inside your pack and really oh, yeah. keep them scent free. But if you get any moisture in there, or, you know, if, if that bag or storage unit you're using doesn't breathe at all, if you get moisture in there, you're going to get bacteria, and that's going to cause odors. So you want to make sure you let them air out every so often or, or use a like a, like a vacuum, some sort of scent bag or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's good to know. Um, I got a couple questions here from the audience, and I think one of them okay. you talked about just a little bit already. But um, one of them, one of the guys was, I think, from Michigan, and he said, you know, what's your experience using decoys um, with pressured deer? And then he went on to say more specifically, how about in Michigan? And I said, well, I don't know if they can answer that specifically, but you can <laughs> probably talk to using them with, you know, deer that are highly pressured. And I know all about that here in Wisconsin. Um, you know, once, once we've been out in the woods for a little while, a lot of these big guys go nocturnal pretty quick, you know, and that's just one of those things, but. We always, the thing I always say is if it's a gun season, you want safety first. So if you're not completely sure that it's safe to use a decoy, I would never advise anybody to use any kind of decoy. But when you get into those pressured situations, it's just like your grunt call or your bleat call or your deer scent. All of that stuff, you have to be that much more careful with when and how you use it. Because I think those deer have seen and heard everything you know, by the middle of the season or the end of November. Everybody's grunted at them with 16 of the top grunt calls, and they've heard bleak cans and Tink 69 and everything else has been all over the woods. So you want to really make sure your setup is correct for that time and safe for that time. But decoys are something that a lot of people, you know, if they haven't been exposed to something like ours, they think of it like your 3D target where yep. it's just a pain to carry and all that. So I don't think their deer in general are as exposed to decoys as much as they hear grunt calls and bleat calls and all that kind of stuff. Cause those things are so easy to carry and you're sitting up there and nothing's going on. You toot on it a few times. So I don't think the pressure factor of it makes me as nervous to use a decoy as maybe my grunt call or rattle antlers or stuff like that, but you definitely want to set it up. So again, I wouldn't use the freshman in an early season pressured environment. I would use a dreamy doe or something like that. That's a little more relaxed pose. Really at those times, you want to make sure that what you're showing them is correct with what's going on in those deer woods at that time. That makes a lot of sense too. So, um, one of my, one of my friends actually asked me this and it's funny that he brought it up because I've been noticing a little bit more of this happening on social media. And I don't know if you've ever heard of the guys here from Wisconsin called Whitetail Adrenaline. I think I have. Yeah. So they're, 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 uh, they, they say that they hunt hundred percent public land. Um, they go all over. They don't, they don't just hunt in Wisconsin, but they're really big into using these decoys or a decoy that they kind of stock deer with and stand behind. Um, mm-hmm. I've been seeing more of that going on. I don't know if that's because everyone's watching these guys do it because they're getting a pretty big following now. Um, and, and it's just interesting. So I don't know. What, what are your just general thoughts about, I'm calling them walking decoys, where you have a cutout for your bow and you're walking with it or you're you know just popping up from behind it. You know, Obviously, there's a safety concern there. And depending on where you're hunting and what season it is, I wouldn't use it for a gun and I definitely wouldn't do it on public land if I could help it. So um, yes. let's just assume we're bow hunting and you're on your own land or something to that effect. It's a very effective technique. And we've had guys do it from Montana to South Carolina with that. And, and if you think about it from an elk hunting standpoint, elk and deer are very similar uh, uh, in the way they approach things, their vision and, and their scent and all that, or their smell and all that stuff. So you can definitely get behind those things in the right scenario, you know, big cut cornfields where there's absolutely no cover 
Those decoys can be used to stalk within range of a shot. They can be used to set up and draw deer over. It's it's definitely an effective technique, and it, you know, you could even get into the turkey hunting, the reaping, the fanning, whatever you want to call it uh, that people are doing a lot more of now. And we've got two models for doing that. One of them that we're releasing this year stands on its own. So if you're doing it by yourself, you just leave it sitting there. You got your bow behind it. It doesn't. You don't have to mount anything on your bow. It doesn't cause any weight difference or anything on your bow like that. You just kind of scoot it along, and it stays where you put it, and you can draw behind it. It's got a little mesh view-through screen, so you don't have to put your head above or to the side to see around it. That whole thing, while the turkey is very different than the deer, you're still doing the same thing. You're taking the focus off of you as a predator and putting the focus on another deer or another turkey coming up to them, which is a lot more natural. Definitely very effective, and it, it tends to get used more in – you know, more open areas because sure. you want to spot the deer and then go to it where when you're hunting in big timber and stuff like that, slipping through the timber to try to sneak up on something, you usually end up bumping it a lot more than, than getting an opportunity to stalk yeah, it. But around ag move. fields yeah. and yeah. things like that, it's a very effective technique. But just like you said, you want to make sure you're doing it somewhere that's absolutely safe and you don't have the crazy redneck road hunter coming down the highway when you're out there. <laughs> Look at that thing. Yeah. I actually, yeah. I, so I did something uh, last season. I was, uh, you know, trying to push safety. And uh, so I was reading these these um, hunter injury stories, basically, or incident reports from different DNRs across the country. And there was one that mm-hmm. I came across where that's exactly what happened. A turkey hunter shot another turkey hunter that was behind his, <laughs> behind his turkey decoy. He was army crawling with his turkey decoy in front of him, and some other guy was calling turkeys, and they both thought each other were turkeys, and he blasted them. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't fatal, but he took a couple, you know, um, pellets to the whatever it was, a leg or something like that. It was like, holy crap. Mm. And I'm reading this thing, and it's just it's just ridiculous to hear, but I'm sure it was like that's – they probably both legitimately thought that they were onto something. You, sometimes you hear and see what you want to hear and see. So right, right. you get oh excited God. like that. It gets dangerous. Yeah. One's responding to me. Oh my God. One's coming. Over the <laughs> oh man. Well, I shot you. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> Holy crap. So I don't that could have ended was, a lot worse. It really, it really could have honestly. And I've had some that, that had, and you know, I, I, I try to poke fun at it just to get people to be aware and, and remember to be safe out there. But my gosh. You know, I think Wisconsin, I don't know if this is still the case, but, you know, over the number of the last years, we've been reported as one of the safest states to hunt in. We have a lot of, we have very few injuries. Um, A lot of them obviously are from tree stands. That's like, I think the most common thing anywhere. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right on that. And it still amazes me how many people are, you know, just using either no safety harness whatsoever, or they're using like a belt and that's it. Yep. Well, you got a lot of old school mentality out there. You know, everybody thinks. You know, I don't need that. I don't need that new age space crap. I've been using this thing for <laughs> yeah. many years. Well, you're also older now, right? So you're probably more likely to fall <laughs> off. I want to make sure yeah. the old reflexes aren't yeah. what they used to be. <laughs> yeah, I tell you. Well, that's that's all I got. I had one more question about using it in the woods or the field. We talked about that, so um, you know, I try to keep these things short to to make sure I can retain the listeners. It, uh, if we get long winded, they probably start to check out. So. That's all I got for you today. I appreciate you taking time out of the woods, like a like that's what I like to say, taking time out of the woods to be on the show here. <laughs> hey, so. I enjoyed it. And uh, if I could make one other plug, we have yeah, on our yeah. website some great decoy guides for turkeys, deer, elk, big game, whatever you want. And yes, therefore our decoys. But no matter whose decoy, what brand you're using, there's a lot of great hunting info in there and setup stuff that really goes into more detail than what we did on the phone. 
And if you just go to our website and look for the decoy guides, you can get some great information out there. And like I said, if you want to use it with ours, that's great. If you use it with somebody else's, that's fine too. But we're, we're happy to just educate people and, and more people using decoys, more people that'll be thinking about ours. So, and you guys uh, have Montana decoy.com Montana decoy.com. And then you guys have a Facebook, a Twitter or a Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, right? That's correct. We do. And is it just slash Montana decoy? Uh, yes. All right. I know Are you some... talking about for the, the decoy guides? It's, for, uh, I think for like it's Montana decoy slash. So, so sorry. So, um, so facebook.com slash Montana decoy. And then, um, yes, same thing for Twitter and same thing for YouTube. Yes. I'm sorry. I totally got sidetracked there. Yes. No worries. No worries. <laughs> I talk fast and it's just one of those things I end up interrupting people. I got to get better at that. Sorry. <laughs> I get so excited. No you worries. Know? There's so much to talk about. <laughs> and your Facebook page actually has a picture of the decoy being folded up into something that's, yeah, like the size of, Nothing. I mean, it's tiny. And, you know, some people do have trouble folding our decoys. So we try to have videos up for just about every every one we make so you can really see how it folds and, and make sure you're doing it right. Because it definitely is a whole lot easier to carry folded than unfolded. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, rock on. Thanks again. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll be putting this up at the end of the week here. So. Not a problem. I enjoyed it. All right. Have a great day and good luck this season, too. You too. All right. Looking for a spot to hunt? Download the free Where to Hunt app for your smartphone today. Avoid hunters, see less people, see more deer. With the Where to Hunt app, you will know where other hunters are before you see them. Just search Where to Hunt from the App Store to download today. Okay, the tip of the week isn't really a tip, and this happens a lot, but it's more of a, a guideline. Um, like I mentioned, a buddy of mine, actually I mentioned this on the live thing, so you probably didn't hear it here, but um, I was talking with a buddy of mine, and we were both talking about how it's almost like the fun has been kind of sucked out of hunting lately with not getting that monster buck, and I'm here to say quit beating yourself up about it. You know, take a step back and uh, remember what hunting is all about to you. Um, be thankful that we have the opportunity to hunt public land, private land. Um, you know, just be thankful that we're out there hunting. And um, you're going to hear from a caller in just a moment here. But what I what I really want to stress is that, uh, you know, to help you kind of get back to that place where hunting is so special and unique and awesome, really think about that first deer that you got, whether it's a button buck, whether it's a doe. Um, maybe even a fawn or a monster for your first time hunting, whether it was gun or bow, whatever your first experience of taking an animal was, think back to that time. How did you feel? What, what emotions were kind of coursing through your veins and, and how did you really feel about hunting? Obviously, if you're still doing it, you're hooked. And it was that, um, that first experience that you had where quite honestly, it probably didn't matter because most of us were a lot younger when that happened, how big the animal was. We were just out there for the experience, maybe our dad or a grandfather or um, an uncle or a mom or somebody, a close friend or, or family relative um, showed you how to hunt and, and kind of introduce you to the sport. And just think back to those days and kind of, you know, um, 
remember to just enjoy hunting. And if you get, if you, if you're after something big, you know, everyone has their own trophy, if their own personal goals and, and things like that, that's, that's great. Um, but don't beat yourself up about it and just uh, get out there and have a great time. Um, that's it. That's my tip of the week. Tip of the week is get back to your roots. Um, remember why you got into hunting and what it was like and remember that first experience. So that said, we're going to go ahead and pull our caller in for the week and uh, we'll wrap things up here. So tell me about it. Um, when you kill a deer, what goes through your mind? What are you feeling? Well, well I thank God, you know, for the opportunity to have a choice to try and, you know, get one for for one. And uh, our family has been doing this for years. Uh, we we go out as a family. We uh, sit down and, you know, say a prayer after we get one. Uh, we all go out and uh, have, like, a celebration the night before. That's awesome. And, you know, it's just something we have been doing all our lives. My first my first deer ever was a eight-point buck that my brother took me out for. Okay. And that was your first year ever was an eight-pointer? Yep. That's awesome. So you were hooked. Yep. Yeah, that was my first deer, and I think the last, the next year, they wouldn't let me shoot. <laughs> <laughs> You're not coming again. You're taking all the deer. That's awesome. How old were you? Um, let's see. I was um, 18. 18, and your first year, and your first time. Man. First time ever, yep. And was it, sorry, was it bow hunting or gun hunting? I can't, I can't recall if you said. It was gun hunting, and we hunted in Dodge County area. Awesome. Well, that's exciting. So you probably had a total rush of emotions then, especially at a young age of 18 and first time out and you get a deer right away. That must have been a great, a great feeling. Yes, it was. That's awesome. And um, my brother's in Tacoma, Washington, and he comes back every year to Wisconsin just for our family deer hunting. Yeah, it's coming up quick. Two weeks, right? Yep. Yep. He arrives on the 16th. That's awesome. I'm, I'm super stoked for it. I'm very excited. It's very traditional. Um, we have the same group of people that go every year and, you know, it's always such a good time. There's so many good memories and we usually honestly spend most of the, the night on Friday talking about, um, exactly what happened the years past, you know, and have good laughs and memories. It's, uh, it's just such a great time. Right. But you know, it's, so it's I just, wish all the hunters good luck and, you know, I always say if it's brown and legal, it's down. There you go. And uh, where, where are you calling from in Wisconsin today? Uh, we're actually in Fond du Lac. Fond du Lac. And, that's, and, and you're going to be hunting Dodge County again? or? You betcha. <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck this season. Thanks for calling, Sharon. I appreciate it. Okay, thank you. Good luck to all the hunters. Be safe. Thanks. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, so that's going to wrap up today's episode. Um, just to uh, kind of wrap up. It was really great that uh, Sharon called in. Thanks again, Sharon, if you're listening to this episode. Appreciate it. Uh, where you can find Where to Hunt and or get in touch with Where to Hunt, uh, our website, wheretohuntapp.com. That's the word, where, the number or the word to, T-O, huntapp.com, um, facebook.com slash wheretohunt. And if you want to send an email, you can either do that from the, uh, the website or uh, you can email directly at where the number two hunt wi at gmail.com. Again, uh, update on the app. It has been submitted for approval to the iOS store, so it's just a matter of time. Thanks so much for listening. 
come back next week and uh, have a great day on public. I am safe.